Welcome to Boy Boy Time Podcast. We're gonna get lady time, yeah. Oh, it's your boy, Boy Time Podcast. Coming in with the slam dunk of a theme song. Hi, ho, ho. It's me, Elon Musk, not parody, back at it again with a new episode of the Boy Time Podcast. And as always, I'm joined by Babby. <laughs> Uh, today we're not going to be talking about Twitter. Just going to be throwing that out there. Don't have anything to say, really. But you should make it a ban appeal. Oh, I should. That's actually a good point. Um, because like it might ban happen. Ban change your name to Elon Musk. <laughs> and pay money to get it verified and do mm-hmm. the same picture. Yeah, I should do that. Um. Yeah, we don't have a lot to talk about this podcast, so this may or may not be a shorter one, but who knows? Um, not a whole lot has happened. Uh, I did go see uh, The Banshees of Anishirin, um, a movie I talked about a couple weeks ago. came out, got rave reviews, so I decided, hey, I'll go see it. Babby's going to be gone this weekend, so I drove to... A city where it it was playing because it got a very limited release. So I'm very fortunate in the fact that I got to see it. So I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, but aside from that, there really has not been a whole lot. Um, the only gaming thing uh, is that, uh, <laughs> and this is a funny thing, uh, Palmer Lucky. This came out today as of us recording this. Um, he was the the one of the co-founders of Oculus. He has designed a VR headset that will kill the user if they die in the game. That's awesome. So if you die in the game, you do die in real life. Let's go. And it's not like, it's not like an elegant procedure either. It's like it's not like a a little injection or something or or whatever. Uh, it's a bomb. There's three bombs on top of the the headset. So then when the game over screen shows up, uh, they explode your head off. Um, not the cleanest way to do it, but I guess it is effective. So, uh, don't know why he did this, but it is a thing. And he did show a picture of it. I have not seen it in use. So, if they do do that, I would like to see a video just because I'm sure it would be funny. It'd be like the, the, um, freaking Dawn of the Dead head explosion. Be awesome. I'm sure it looked exactly like that too. That's it for gaming news. What? I know. We're not going to be talking about God of War because as of us recording it, the game is not out. It comes out tomorrow. By the time this podcast comes out, God of War will be out. So next week, I will be talking about God of War uh, because I'm excited. I'm excited to get in, play it. I've been seeing that it's been getting good reviews. And... uh, you know, classic gamer move. Some guy gave it a 6 out of 10, and then he got death threats. So that means that this game is going to be good. Yep. Yep. I don't know. Every once in a while, I forget that gamers are the worst group, and then they, they, they pull some shenanigans like that. Um, it's like, oh, yeah. There you are. Uh, let's talk about show news. Not a whole lot to talk about, but we did get the announcement of The Last of Us premiere date. That is going to be January 15th, 
So just just two months away. It'll be nine episodes in total. And that's it. I don't remember if there was a new trailer. I'm not probably not going to watch any more trailers that come out for it. I don't think um, there was. I think it was just the... It was just the poster. I said, poster. you do not know, you do not know loss. And then everyone yeah. was posting the funny comic and the... Loss. It was very funny. Um, I'm excited for that. I'm sure that'll be decent at, at worst, probably. Yeah. If I had to, to make a gamble. As long as at worst. Mid at worst. Yeah. Because the, the source material is so good that you could just adapt it word for word Watchmen style and it would Which still is, be pretty good. seems like what they're doing. Yeah. So, who knows? We'll have to see. I guess the biggest difference is going to have to be if it's shot really well, which Chernobyl is shot very well. So mm. probably going to be good. I don't know. We'll see, but we'll watch that when it comes out. We'll take a break from our gabagool to uh, gabagool. Uh, eat mushrooms or something. There's no food in the last it of was us, really. Some kind of it's fungus. a fungus. It's a fungus. Fungus, fungus. zombies. We're going to have to do our best like clicker impression when the show comes out. Because that's possible to do with the human mouth. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> sure someone out there can do it. Uh, let's move on to movie news. This is going to be the shortest podcast of all time. <laughs> uh, movie news. Uh, Dan Harmon, the guy who did Community and Rick and Morty, among other things... Uh, working on the community movie, he confirmed that Donald Glover is going to be in it. Don't know okay. how much he's going to be in it, but he is going to be in it. I would like him to be in the whole thing because I think the the Troy and Abed dynamic is one of the best in the show. And once uh, Donald Glover left that show, it definitely fell off a little bit. But you know, it's okay. I'm excited for the movie. I probably won't watch it because it's on Peacock, but, or, you know, I could, uh, uh, find an illegal way to watch it. One, two, three movies. One, two, three movies.com baby. Or maybe it'll be posted on YouTube like Dawn of the Dead is. Or who killed Captain Alex. Or who killed Captain Alex. By the way, they're ramping up. They've, they started shooting for who killed Captain Alex too. I'll have to. I'm so excited. Isaac Nabwana, uh. Yes, they were shooting at Lunkulu Island. Mm. So, you know, going going away from Kampala, uh, Uganda. So it's kind of crazy. They they flew everybody out. Well, I doubt that. I doubt they flew everybody out. I get, my mm-hmm. guess is they probably just. I don't know. I don't know where Lunkulu Island is. Maybe I should look that up. Because maybe they did. Maybe they took a big ferry out with all their tanks and chain guns and stuff. Uh, it's 42 kilometers away from Kampala. So they probably drove there. I or had a really so. long walk carrying around a lot of camera equipment and props and stuff. Uh, but good on ya. Good on ya, Wakaliwood. I will support you until the day I die. Even though they did make a post that said that I love Ohio. So that yeah. did make me lose a couple points. But... They liked everybody, well, pretty much. It was it was a little weird. Um, the guy who runs Wakaliwood is uh, 
uh, Isaac Nabwana Mzi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. But like, from from like all of October, he was just saying I love, and then he would insert like either a state in the U.S. or like a random South American slash Latin American country. Um, it was a little weird. And then he had to do Mississippi twice because he did the wrong flag. He nice. did the, the old flag, and then a day uh, later he did the the updated flag, but didn't delete the old one. <laughs> so, yeah. Gotta love, uh, gotta love Wakaliwood. Good stuff. Um, also, we got some little news about Across the Spider-Verse. Um, I think it's already been confirmed that Oscar Isaac is going to be playing Spider-Man 2099, and then Issa is going to be playing Spider-Woman. But uh, today we got, well, not today, but this week we got confirmation that Daniel Kaluuya himself is going to be playing Spider-Punk. Spider-Punk. I would have liked it if they got Ozzy Osbourne. I want Tobey Maguire with the emo hair from Spider-Man 3. <laughs> I would not be surprised if they did that. Now that that uh, he was in that new Spider-Man movie, maybe they'll bring him in for the animation. And what else is Tobey Maguire doing, huh? Yeah, exactly. I think he's in Babylon, that uh, Damien Chazelle movie coming out. Mm. But good, but, you know, I like Daniel Kaluuya. I don't know if, has he voice acted anything before? I don't know. If he's uh, not that I've seen him, in. yeah, I think he's he's probably one of the best actors around right now. Everything I've seen him in has been great. Even Kick Ass Two, mm. great film, the best of the series. Yes, I would say. Um, no, it doesn't look like he's done any voice acting, so this will be his first one. Good for him. That's it for news this week. This is the <laughs> slowest week ever. Uh, unless you want to talk about Twitter or the midterms, and I refuse. Um, yeah, no, I'm just watching CNN. I don't, I'm not going to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Uh, I don't Call wanna... of Duty came out. Oh, Call of Duty did come out. Yeah, that Yes, happened. it did. Football Manager um, 2023 also came out. Yes, of course. The big sales battle of the year. Exactly right. Football manager versus Call of Duty Modern <laughs> Warfare 2. Yes. It's a close race. I think Modern Warfare 2 like sold the most copies out of like any COD. Ever? Like, first week, yeah. Oh, first week. But it has mixed yeah. reviews. It does have mixed reviews. What? Because it's a mixed game, I would say. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh... Some criticism is very warranted. Some criticism is people being babies. But, <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm having fun with it so far. Okay. It's, uh, it feels, well, it runs very nice, first off. I'm on a low-end PC for nowadays, I would say, the 1060. Uh, although my processor is really good this time, so that's probably why it's running a lot better. But I can get a consistent 70 FPS, so. Okay. That's all I care about. It's not like the first Modern Warfare where it literally bricked my computer every time I tried to play it. Yes. But, um, <laughs> I think they released the campaign early because like, I bought it like two days early and then I could play the campaign. Yes. I got through a couple missions. I haven't beat it yet. Um, it's interesting campaign. I think on the second mission, 
you have to like go across the U.S. Mexico border, and then you have to aim your gun at civilians to like <laughs> yeah. uh, de-escalate the situation <laughs> which on a border is, town, which and is then, uh, accurate. Yeah, and then you walk into a house because you're like you know so you're special forces, mm-hmm. so you can just barge into people's houses without a warrant and then you just shoot two civilians because one guy reaches for a gun and self-defense in his own home so you just Mm. bop two people in their own house it's really cool um i don't see a problem here these are american soldiers yeah these these are um i think so i don't know it's like it's like they're like little task force they're like they're like special ops you know Uh, they're not they're not on they're not quote unquote under a flag even though they are just like NATO. They're NATO. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of a fun campaign. I try to ignore like all the BS that they put in that stuff. Um, the, the propaganda stuff. Yeah. Cause it's very blatant in those games. They didn't yes. do a highway of death situation then so far. Well, that's which good. Is good that's where they good. just completely blame a U.S. war crime <laughs> on Russia for some reason. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. Um, well, you know the reason. Yeah. Because Russians don't play COD. <laughs> of course <laughs> But the campaign's decent. Multiplayer is pretty fun. Um, the the weapon system is very different, but it's actually kind of cool. It's like you get a base weapon because it works like real life now where it's just a receiver. makes your gun different um, with your different ammo types. So you have to like go on a whole bunch of unlock trees to like get a whole bunch of different weapons and instead of just like getting to a certain level to unlock them and there's like 180 camos or something um so it's a very different system it's kind of cool um but they have a lot of marksman rifles and a lot of battle rifles which is cool because i always love doing like the little tiny snipers the little <laughs> lever actions are really fun to play with so there's yeah. like a ton of those um the UI is garbage in this game i don't know who the ui ux specialist is over there but uh, this is like the most complicated like game menu system I've ever seen. It's so crowded and it shouldn't be like the, there's a lot in the gunsmith to play around with, but it shouldn't be this complicated looking. Yeah. I think they're going to overhaul it in the first season, but it's rough. Like it, it takes like four menus to get to your gun attachments and then five menus to get to like camouflages and everything. Um, and like, when you're in the lobby before the game starts, there's UI things overlapping each other with oh. like your daily challenges. I'm like, this has never been an issue and it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. So overhaul that, please. That's a big no-no. Um, most of the multiplayer maps are okay. They, they stuck to a three lane this time, but the biggest complaint with the original Modern Warfare was that they didn't want to do three lane maps for some god awful reason because well, three lane maps are the this. standard. Because that's how you make a FPS map. It's always been like that. They're like, nah, we're just going to make a cave. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody hated it. Yeah. But they're back to three lanes. Um, so most of these maps work decent. There's been like a couple lawsuits already because I think they're literally taking satellite imagery and then making maps out of satellite imagery. Which mm. apparently for some areas of the world is a no-go. Um <laughs> Apparently, allegedly, allegedly, one of them, one of them being a museum map that is directly modeled after a museum, almost one to one scale. And the museum's like, can we not have that? Okay. So they took that out. You were able to play it in the beta, but then they took it out. Um, 
But I think the biggest war crime of all of them in this game is uh, there's a map where it's the U.S.-Mexico border, and it's, like, backed up with a whole bunch of cars. The map is just a straight line full of cars. This is like a Gmod level map where someone would, like, make a map without knowing how to do it. It's, uh, it's something. You could just chuck a nade and blow up six cars. That's because great. Because it's just cars and nothing else. It doesn't play as bad as I thought it was. I thought it would, but, like, why would you do that? Like, you have so much opportunity to make cool maps, and you're like, here's a straight line with a whole bunch of cars. Hey, it works. It's fantastic. Yeah. It just works. It just works. Um, but, yeah, I think the game is pretty decent so far. I enjoy it. It's a nice little casual fun. I like to play Call of Duty for the first two months so I can, like, do my little camo challenges and get my little completionist itch going. <laughs> um, and then I never touch it. So, yeah, it's weird that like that's the only thing you you're like completionist about or the yeah. The it's scenes. just ingrained in me, I think, because I've done it for the past like fourteen years of my life. You know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm just a completionist in everything. Yeah. Now, which isn't the best. I I uh, was playing Cult of the Lamb this week, and I was one achievement short. And it was the Sacrifice 10 Followers achievement. And there is like a 20-minute cooldown between you can sacrifice a follower. And I had not sacrificed a follower throughout the entire game because I liked my people too much and I did not want to kill them. So then I had to just sit around for like three hours doing other things on my computer while waiting for the cooldown to go down. And then I I did it. Now I have 100% on Cult of the Lamb. So... Don't say I'm not a true gamer. I, I'm truly out on the grind for these meaningless achievements that get me nothing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's that's something that me and you have in common. Yes. We're, both, we're both completionists through and through. Exactly. I complete every game I start. <laughs> that's right. Just don't ask about any of them. I was going to say, I'm like, yeah, how's it got to work? I mean, uh, I know that. <laughs> I'm a busy boy. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I like to come home from my nine to five and boot up some Call of Duty for a couple hours. You know what I mean? Of course. There's nothing wrong with that. Simple man. Yeah. I come home from work and watch really heady art dramas. Nice. Which is a great transition into the discussion portion of this podcast. Oh. Because I have seen three films. I've seen weekend. a couple of films, too. Oh. I'd like to talk about. Oh, boy. So. Okay, great. Well, this will be good. Maybe we'll alternate. Okay. Because I have seen The Banshees of Anishirin. I saw The Florida Project. And, yes, you can call me a film bro now. Because I have officially seen every single film bro movie. Because your boy watched Interstellar. Let's go. That's right. I've earned the title, and I wear my crown with pride. Well, let's talk about stupid movies first, like Banshees of Anishirin. Uh I predicted that this movie was going to be the most uh, Irish movie I had ever seen, and that is true. It came true, of course. Um, I'm a big fan of Martin, McDonough, Martin McDonough's other work. In Bruges and Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri are probably two of the best movies that came out um, in the 2000s and, well, just in the, in the century so far, I guess. 
Um, so this is his big follow-up to Three Billboards. My guess is that this is his COVID movie because it just takes place on this really remote island off the coast of Western Ireland. Um, there's, it's just like one really, really small village. And all of the people who are in it are native Iron, or Irish people. So my guess is that Martin McDonough just called up all of his Irish buddies while they were all quarantining uh, or locked down in Ireland. And we're like, hey, let's make a movie. And that's pretty much what this movie is. Um, it has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has like a four point... I'll, I'll look up the letterboxed. Um, it has a... Oh, jeez. 4.2 on letterboxed out of five. Um, it's been getting rave reviews. It is definitely... I think it's his worst one. Which isn't really saying a lot, because I did give it a 4 out of 5, but it is such a simple concept that is kind of dragged out to 2 hours. The whole thing is, right, Colin Farrell, the penguin from the Batman, he is uh, he's kind of like this guy, he goes to the pub every night, he has a bunch of cattle and he sells milk. He's super attached to all of his animals, and he has this little donkey that has a little bell on his collar, and he's very cute. And he lives with his sister. Um, and he has this best friend who plays the fiddle, and they both go down to the pub, and they just have a fun night every night. And uh, suddenly, one day out of the blue, his friend's like, I don't like you anymore. I don't want to be your friend. Um, and that's it. That's the movie for two hours. This guy is like, hey, you want to get drinks with me? And this guy's like, no, you suck. I hate you. I'm going to keep writing my epic violin song. And so then he writes this epic violin song. It eventually gets to the point where this guy's like, hey, you stupid idiot. If you don't stop talking to me, I'm going to cut off one of my fingers and throw it at your house with my big shears. And I'm going to do it from my violin hand, the, the, the left hand, the one that you use to finger the, the frets, except violins don't have frets, whatever. Whatever they're called. Whatever they're called. Uh, and so then Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell kind of plays this dumb, this dumb guy. He doesn't really get it. And he's really frustrated <laughs> because he's really his only friend. Everyone else in the town thinks he's like this stupid guy. Nobody really likes him. He's like kind of known as like a nice a nice guy, but eh, he's boring. Um, so you know his sister like really wants him to get out of the house because she doesn't really want to talk to him, um, and she doesn't really want the donkey in the house, which is a, a, a shame because the donkey is so cute. Why wouldn't you want the donkey in the house? Because there's no good reason to not let a donkey in your house. I know, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, that's that's the whole movie. It's just, you know, I, I want to be friends with this guy. And the guy's like, I don't want to be friends with you. You're stupid. And I want to write violin song. Um, that's it. It's really good, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know I kind of, uh, I don't know. I've seen like people say that this movie has like changed their lives. And it is... I can see why, because it, it, 
there are like moments towards the ends and I don't really want to get into spoilers because there hasn't been like a super massive release yet. Um, but there are like moments in the end where it's just like, <laughs> it's just like, please, please talk to each other. Can like, and I don't mean like, you know, get back together or whatever, just like keep being friends. It's just like, just talk like both people just like, don't communicate with each other and it's so frustrating to watch but it's also like completely understandable and you're getting both of their perspectives where without being said you get what's going on but it just doesn't seem like that the the message is getting through to the other person so it's very frustrating and it's it gets really really sad at the end it has a, a soul-crushing ending um and, uh, yeah, but it's a good movie. I'd recommend it. Um, but I would, I would recommend, um, I think his best is in Bruges and then it's, uh, three billboards and then it's this one, but they're all really good. You can't go wrong with any of these. Um, Banshees is definitely going to be more artsy. Uh, this is definitely like a cinematographer's real movie where they're like, we need to spice up this really simple concept and then we'll like do like these epic sweeping vista shots and get like the oh super artsy framing stuff like that um so it's probably the least accessible i think the most accessible is three billboards and then it's in bruges um but there we go that's my banshees of anishirin baby what's your first movie you want to talk about uh, I'll go in order of which we watched. Uh, I watched the Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, that's a great movie! Oh my God, I love really that movie. Favorite. I really like it. Yes. Um, yeah. Every Wes Anderson movie is the same, but yes. I like them every time. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I, the The color palette and like just the aspect ratio framing mm -hmm. and everything in this mm -hmm. movie is so good. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was just really interesting. I love, I love the way he, like writes um characters and like there's just such a weird like narrative yes. like happy-go-lucky way about everything and just the mm. delivery of everything is so cool and engaging um yeah it was a lot of fun there was like sections where it's like obviously like dioramas that they're like <laughs> yeah using as backdrops but like they look so good still mm -hmm. um yeah it was really fun like I think I like it better than the French Dispatch. It seems a little bit That's more fair. clean and tidy. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously, this movie gets hyped up that a is, lot. But I think it is regarded as his best by most yeah. people, except for me. I would, I would imagine so. Yes. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I feel like there's not too much to say about it. It's, it's a pretty like, it's a pretty simple story. Basically, it's just like super entertaining to go through. Mm -hmm. Um. It's a little zany, a little quirky. Yep. But, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this one. Um, it's nice and light. I, I, yeah. I like these artsy movies that aren't, like, super heady. Yeah. Like, this is, like, an artsy movie that's super, not super heady, like, just because you can, like, get lost in the colors and framing mm. and aspect ratios and <laughs> random, like, stop-motion diorama <laughs> backgrounds and everything yeah. else that gets thrown in. Wes Anderson's, like... I, I'm I'm a really big Wes Anderson fan, and yes, yeah. all of his movies are exactly the same. Yes. Like if you're talking about the story of every single one of his movies, they all follow the exact same beats, mm -hmm. which is why I think I like French Dispatch a little bit 
more than most people is because that one like kind of broke it up. It, it, it doesn't hit the same beats as like, cause grand Budapest and the life aquatic and fantastic Mr. Fox and, um, Royal Tenenbaums. They all kind of have like the same story, but I love all of those movies like pretty much equally grand Budapest is the best one out of those. But it's just like, man, every single one of them feels so alive. And it's a world mm. that's so so inviting and warm. And it's like, oh, I just I want to live in a Wes Anderson movie. True. Like, it would be just so cool. Um, I mean, everything's orange, and then you got to pop a purple randomly in there. That's it's right. Just, everything's perfect. I always asso- uh, associate Grand Budapest with purple. And I think it's just because the, yep. the bellboy always yep. wears purple. Like each one has like a different color in my mind, mm-hmm. except fresh French Dispatch is gray. Because yes, it is gray. <laughs> <laughs> that is a gray movie. Grand Budapest is purple. Fantastic Mr. Fox is orange. Yep. Uh, Life Aquatic is blue. Um, what? I know, hard to believe, but just everyone's wearing blue in that movie. Um, I guess Royal Tenenbaums is like yellow. Or yeah, I guess that's the only one I can really think of. But yes, I, I'm glad that you watched that movie because that yes. I think Wes Anderson is is definitely someone that you would really dig. Yeah, because I can watch the movie without like paying attention to them talking. Yes, because you're a visual man. Yeah, and that is all Wes Anderson does is mm-hmm. make some killer visuals. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, that's a good movie to watch, period. If you have not seen The Grand Budapest Hotel, you gotta check it out. It's a little movie I don't think anyone's ever heard of it. Yeah, it's a little indie film. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a real indie film called The Florida Project. Uh, this movie is... Oh, it hurt my heart watching it. I keep watching these super depressing movies, and I don't really mean to. I thought this was going to be a cute little coming-of-age movie about some kids growing up in, uh, like, the Florida. They grow up in, like, a motel. That's, like, kind of an apartment complex, I guess. Um, It's it's very, like, low-class, though. Um, So I thought it was going to be, like, a cute little coming-of-age thing. It was an A24 picture. Should have known that it was going to be depressing when I saw those, you know, characters show up at the beginning. Um, I saw Willem Dafoe was in it. I'm like, oh boy, Willem Dafoe. I and love Willem Dafoe. I love Willem Dafoe. I saw someone's letterboxed review for, for this movie was Willem Dafoe more like Willem Dafriend. Because he, mm. he is a good person in this movie. In like the first time ever. Because um, Willem Dafoe is always the bad guy. Including the Grand Budapest Hotel. Nice. Do you remember that? Remember him? He gets his fingers chopped off. Oh, yeah. Right? Right? Yes. That's that's him? I think that's him. Right? Someone gets their fingers chopped off, and I think yeah. it's Willem Dafoe. I don't remember. Um, no, I think Willem Dafoe chops off the fingers. Willem Dafoe chops off the fingers. Because he's the Nazi guy. Yes. Doesn't he go on a sled ride or something? Yeah. Skis? It's like super fast. No, yeah, yeah he, goes on, he goes on a ski. Skis. Yes. And he goes like... 10 million miles per hour for no reason. <laughs> I don't know. It's fun. 
Um, so he's no longer the bad guy. He's no longer the green goblin. We can rule this city, small, poor child, or we can I, I fight to the death. I have not seen Spider-Man 1 in so long. Um, yeah, he plays the landlord, but he's a good landlord. I know that's an oxymoron, but... That uh, an oxymoron. But he's not the, the owner. He's, like, the manager, I guess. So he's, like, the guy who, like, fixes stuff. Um, and he does... So not a landlord. Not a landlord. <laughs> no. Um, the boss, the landlord, only shows up, like, once, and he gets on everybody's case, and he rails into Willem Dafoe for letting people leave their bikes outside. Um, but, yes. So the, the whole story follows a small six-year-old girl and her mom, who is, um, I would say, like, early to mid-20s. I think it's implied that, that it was a teenage pregnancy um, that that she kept. But they are very, very, like, down and out. Uh, the mom does not have a job. She buys perfume wholesale and then stands outside country clubs to sell it to wealthy people um, for for profit. Um, and so she, yeah, not a lot of money. Um, and it is just told from the kid's perspective for the most part. And there are a lot of things that like are implied to be happening. Um, but it's kind of shown through like a kid's point of view. So it's not like entirely clear because a kid wouldn't really know what's going on with all these adult things. Um, but Willem Dafoe is probably the best part of this movie. Um, there are always. All, always is. I love Willem Dafoe, but he, he is like, he is someone who genuinely looks out for the best interest of these kids. Um, he can be a little stern, a little, he has a rough exterior, but deep down he like genuinely cares about these kids and wants them to live their best life. Um, there are scenes where, like, the, um, you know, the mom is, is having issues finding a room, getting a place to live. Willem Dafoe helps, you know, put down the down payment. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a scene where there's a child predator talking to the kids and Willem Dafoe beats him up. He's a good guy. You, you can say that, that he's a nice guy. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's really great. Um, I don't really want to get too much into spoilers here either, even though it's an older movie. I think it came out in like 2017, 2018, um, because the ending of the movie was such a gut gut punch. It was back to back because I watched Banshees of Anishirin on Friday night and then Saturday afternoon. I watched this movie and ow, let me just say that, um, the ending of this movie is so, so depressing. They try to, like, lift it up a little bit at the end and be like, ah, yeah, no, it doesn't work. You cowards, I hate you. You ruined my life. Well, not my life. You ruined my weekend for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I watched Interstellar, which also made me sad. So it was not a good time. I watched Interstellar, like, a couple hours later. So, yeah, I had an interesting weekend, but... I would recommend the Florida project. I think I also gave that one four stars. Um, cause that one, it was really good. Um, 
let me see sort by when I saw it I here we go well I gave it four and a half stars I think that's deserved but it is oof it is tough to watch but well worth it if you can find it it's only an hour 40 minutes so pretty easy that's like nothing compared to interstellar yes it is yeah true (laughs) (laughs) um so that is that's it for the florida project uh what was the next movie you saw speaking of hard to watch uh we watched in my neighbor totoro oh that's a good movie too true yeah (laughs) true Uh, this was this was like the easiest movie ever to watch, honestly. Yeah. I feel like uh, there's not much of a plot or anything. It's just kind of nice to look at. Like there isn't too much going on in this thing because it's it really is just like the kids movie. Yes. It's, like the mainstream one. Um, but yeah, I th- I still thought it was really good. Um, animation's fantastic. Just like the the backgrounds and everything are just so good, so good. Um, I'm going to start trying to get into like other Ghibli things. I thought Totoro would be like a good, that's a good entry way in. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty good. Um, for a kid's movie, I can't really say anything else about it. I mean, I definitely get like the whole, the Totoro, uh, marketing and merchandising and all that stuff yes i didn't know there was a cat bus in that movie and the cat bus is my favorite part of that movie <laughs> yes there's a cat bus in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes no sense either man. like i loved a cat bus <laughs> yeah i know that that's like i've seen so many people dress up their cat as the cat bus i'm like yeah. that is the only acceptable cat costume i think exactly but, I mean, like, the cat design for it is still, like, really good. Like, everything just looks so good. Um, but, yeah, incredibly chill. To the point where, like, you can kind of half watch it. And you won't really miss much because there's not too much going on with this thing. No. Unless there's, like, some deep hidden lore on this movie that I'm not keen to. But Not honestly, this movie. <laughs> yeah. No, not this movie. This is, like, <laughs> one of the only Ghibli movies. Yeah, the other Ghibli's, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, I think... When I saw it, it was pretty late into my Ghibli deep dive. Yeah, I um, think this is good because, like, this is my entry point. But yes. I know well that I'm going to like pretty much everything else better than this. Oh, absolutely. But this is good. Yes. Yeah. That was my issue was I saw it late. And so I'm like, oh, this is, like, way worse than yeah. all of the other ones. But I think seeing this one first is good. Yes. Um. I'm going to push for Howl's Moving Castle next. We'll that see. one that one is Grant's favorite. Okay. Um I do like I that love one the music too. in that one. So. Yes, that one that one's great. It has uh Christian Bale and um Billy Crystal's in it. Mm. It's great. I love I love Billy Crystal whenever he's in something. It's like that's Mike Wazowski. Yeah. Mike yes, I recommend that one. Um you should probably watch Spirited Away. That's like yeah, That's we Ghibli were going to watch that one, and we, we shifted to uh, Totoro. Yeah. Know, the reasoning. My favorite is Princess Mononoke. Okay. Um, Which, that one is, that's not a hot take. But, very, very good. Uh, I still need to see The Wind Rises. That one, um, Grant just got that. 
on Steelbook. Ooh, if you remember, nice. when we went to Barnes & Noble, he did do True. that. Who knows? Maybe this weekend I'll watch it. Probably dun, not. Dun. Um, okay, let's talk about Interstellar. 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 I really like this movie. I think this was my favorite one of the bunch. Um, I, Good, wish, bro. I wish I didn't have to say that. I, I went into it mm-hmm. being like, this is going to be some pretentious, convoluted Christopher Nolan bullshit. Uh, and then I was in. I was in like the first 10 minutes. I was gripped. This is, I hate to say it, I think this might be the most, the most straightforward Christopher Nolan sci-fi thing. Um, I don't want to count the Dark Knight stuff because those are just, you know, those are superhero movies. Like, those are meant to be accessible. I'm talking about, like, Chris Nolan movies. This is, like, the most straightforward, which might be controversial. Um, And maybe it's just because I kind of get the science around it. Um, Because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm super into... Uh, science stuff. I like watching science YouTube videos and stuff. I, I, I'm a science man. Nerd. I'm a little bit of a nerd. But... So, like, I think a little bit of it is confusing because of how, like, they handle time, which is something that Christopher Nolan likes to mess with. Um, because, you know, they're, they're, they're going out, they're going on a colony, they're trying to save the planet because... This takes place in like a alternate future where there is a blight. There is some sort of virus that has taken over the planet, but it doesn't affect humans. It affects crops. So every five or six years, this virus mutates to completely wipe out one species of crop. So by the time it's like Matthew McConaughey's time, when the story starts... Uh, okra completely knocked out basically the only thing that is left to grow on this planet is corn so like everybody on the planet is pretty much dead like the entire governmental system is like over everything is kind of in shambles um and so then matthew mcconaughey finds uh like nasa nasa has become like this underground like sleeper thing. I don't know. It's like a a secret agency kind of because NASA was officially shut down from by the U S government because NASA would not drop missiles on starving people. That's kind of the world that we're in. So, and it's kind of like been accepted that NASA were like the bad guys. We never went to the moon. We never space exploration. The whole you know, the idea of creating machines, these worthless machines to go up into space. Uh, they're the bad guys. They're the whole reason we didn't curb the blight in the begin to begin with. Um, which, you know, says a lot about society. Um, and I don't totally disagree with that, I guess, if we're talking about billionaires and space stuff, but, um, yeah, he finds NASA and, and, um, Michael Caine is like, oi, I want you, I want you to go into space and I'm going to figure out how to get everyone on the planet into this building and we're going to go into space too. And it's great. 
And Matthew McConaughey is like, yes, I was a pilot for the Air Force, I think. It's like, I'm going to drive this plane, air rocket, and I'm going to put it into a warp hole that's next to Saturn, and then we're going to go explore the galaxy. And it's super cool. So they go out, they go out into the galaxy, and I think I'm going to get a little bit into spoilers because, you know, it's interstellar. Um, you know, they go out into the galaxy. It's, it's great. Anne Hathaway's there, and she's like, I'm super cool. She's a cool scientist lady. Um, but the big twist, I guess it's not really a twist. It's just like the end of the first act. They go to, like, they have three planets that they check out that are like, these may or may not be um, able to support life. So they go to the first one, and they're like, okay, every, like, every hour we spend on this planet is going to be seven years back on Earth because this planet, all of the planets in this galaxy are orbiting a black hole instead of a star like ours is. And because the closer you get to a black hole, um, your perception of time changes. That's Einstein's relativity. Um, so the closer you get, this planet is relatively close to the black hole. So when you're on it, your perception of time is completely different and time itself changes. Um, so they, you know, touch down, mission goes wrong. They're on the planet for way too long, way longer than expected. They were just going to be on there for a couple minutes, get some data and then head back up. Uh Oh, big oopsie. They're on there for a couple hours. They have been out of communication from NASA and their families for upwards of 20 years and that there's the scene the scene you've seen it it's like a gif of Matthew McConaughey crying it's from this True. scene Matthew McConaughey is like devastated he left a he had his 10 year old daughter and like a 15 year old son so he's like watching back these messages that they've gotten over the like 27 years they've been gone even though it was like what like three hours or something so he's just sitting there watching his kids grow up and like slowly lose faith that he's going to come home and you know he starts like really happy he's like oh you know his son's like ah you know i found this met this chick in school i think she's the one and then it like oh then they have a they have a baby and then it's just like oh that then 5 years later oh and then 5 more years later oh grandpa died sorry and then it just like keeps going and it gets more and more and more and then the stakes are just super high cuz Matthew McConaughey wants to get home as soon as possible because his daughter is now older than he is which is a little bit trippy but you know that yeah it's uh, it's interstellar baby it's a good movie i gave it i couldn't bring myself to give it 5 stars mm -mm. uh because i didn't want to fall too far down the film bro rabbit hole i only gave it 4 and a half stars at this point i should oh. probably give it the the perfect score cuz it was really really good um i i honestly i think this one sits right under the dark knight for me um, but I'm not, I'm not usually a big fan of Chris Nolan stuff, but now I'm in, I'm going to have to, I don't know what Christopher Nolan movies I haven't seen. I guess Tenet. I've seen Inception. 
I've seen all the Dark Knights. I've seen Dunkirk. I've seen Memento. So now I just got to watch Tenet, which I've heard is confusing and mid. So, mm-hmm. great. Um, so that's my review of Interstellar. Very, very good. If you have the chance to watch it, do. It's a very good movie. So, you have any more movies? I don't think so. Okay. I don't either. If I do, they weren't important enough for me to remember them at the moment. That's right. So. Um, the Whale, the the Brendan Fraser movie, uh, by Darren Aronofsky and A twenty four. Uh, that got its first trailer today. I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to save it for the movie. I'm going to go in completely blind. I love Brendan so much. Um, I think that comes out like December 9th or something. So we got like a month. So That's it. That's it for movie news. We can move on to the La Musica. La Musica. Si. Si. All right. Yeah. We got we got some stuff this week. We got some stuff. Uh, what? Let's start with uh, let's start with hmm. Let's start with Joji. Okay. We'll make you wait for Drake for one second. Uh, I'm so Joji excited. Released released a new album Smithereens. Oh boy, I haven't um, listened to it's it yet. Twenty four minutes long. I have no excuse. Uh, it, eh, it's an album, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, there's like, there's like four songs on here. (laughs) Everything else feels like a like an interlude into something, but it never goes into something. Like the album ends with like a demo followed by an interlude followed by a freestyle. Yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah, the longest song is like three fifty three. That's glimpse of us. I really like that song. Um, And then feeling like the end was the second track. Nothing really happens in that song. It feels like it's going to build up to something, but then it just kind of ends. Um, I think Before the Day is Over and Dissolve were pretty good. I also like Knight Rider. Um, so there's some good stuff on here. It's just like, it doesn't feel like a... I didn't get the fulfillment of like, that was an album I just listened to. It felt like just like a lot of like ideas that were getting there, but then just were like cut short before they have like a full, you know, three and a half minute song. Sure. Um, and it didn't work like an Earl Sweatshirt type thing either, where like everything kind of built with each other. It kind of just like, it, it sounded like an Urban Outfitters like radio that was that's just on. It's like the alternative music playlist that they'd put on. There wasn't anything that like stood out a ton, um, which is unfortunate because I think Nectar was like really strong. I was excited yeah. to see where he was headed. Steez? Yeah. Yeah, because this doesn't seem like there's any significant anything to take from this. It just seems like a collection of songs. Um, I still think Glimpse of Us is really good, but I don't know. I feel like Knight yeah. Rider might be my second favorite out of that, but I don't know. I don't know how to feel. It's <laughs> it's just a, it's just there. I don't know if I'll return to it. It's just kind of a thing. Okay. This feels like something you would like surprise drop and not do promo for. Yeah. Then I feel like I'd like it a little bit more. But I was expecting, like, this is the next step. Yeah, that's what I was kind of expecting, too, because Glimpse of Us was so good. Yeah, and then this is what happened, so. So sad. Maybe I'm tripping, maybe I'm not. I feel kind of eh on this thing. Okay. 
Okay. Well, maybe I'll mm. listen to it and I'll tell you how I feel. Yeah, although tell I, me how wrong I am. Although I'm probably going to maybe say it worse than you because I have not been the fan, too big of a fan of either of Joji's um, projects. So, yeah, he's still not my thing, but I feel like I need to give him a fair shake every time. Yeah. I mean, I, I listened to Nectar. I was really looking forward to it. I love those singles. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of it was kind of... Eh. Mm-hmm. There, there's good songs on there, but... Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not into the sad boy wave. I'm not really. either. I'm not so. either. Yeah. Um, I was going to talk about Drake, but I forgot to talk about Taylor Swift. So oh, you coward. So Midnight's. Stop making Jabated. me wait. Jabated. Uh, Midnight's. Um, we're very late on this, but that's okay. That's fine. Because whatever. Um, this album's pretty decent. Uh, there's definitely like a mixed bag of things here. I feel like the theme of today is just a gigantic mixed bag. Because um, I really like Lavender, Haze, and Maroon. Those open up pretty well. Antihero I can go without. Snow on the Beach is not my thing at all. Um, You're on Your Own Kid was pretty nice. Um, I don't remember all of these. Uh, one of them, one of them is just like a blatant Billie Eilish song, um, but not really done that well. the The main gripe I have with Midnight's is that it feels like the writing quality that from Folklore and Evermore, with like all these like really cool interwoven stories and everything, mm-hmm. is just not here at all. Yeah, I don't know. If it's that just was re- she was it's going just replaced for. with like Tumblr quotes at yeah. this point. Um. I think, like, the first line of one of the songs was, like, draw the cat eye sharp enough to kill a man or something. Like, that's... <laughs> there's, like, a very, like, 2013 writing style here that doesn't work when she tries to, like, make a big deal out of it. Um, yeah. Karma is really good as well. I do really like Karma. Um, I did not listen to the 3 a.m. version yet. Wow. Might you call yourself eventually. a music reviewer. Yeah. Um... Yeah, this is pretty decent. Uh, I feel like I need to listen to it one more time. It's been a couple of days since I've heard it. Um, upwards to a week of the, at this point, probably. But there's some good stuff in here. So I think there's a little something for everyone here. But I think it's going to be rare that it has a lot for anybody. Okay. I feel like the diehard Swifties are going to like this thing a lot. They do. But more casual fans are going to be like, I'll take this song, this song, and this song, and then leave the rest. And that's kind of what I'm doing here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I listened to like the first three songs and I'm like, this isn't folklore evermore. I'm whatever. So definitely not. Yeah. So. I don't know. Let's talk about Drake. Yeah. Yeah. Drake. Drake. I love Drake. I haven't listened to it yet. God. Um, it's an hour long. I don't know why it's an hour long. It's good. It's not worth the hour. <laughs> um, yeah, her loss, 21 Savage and Drake. This is a Drake featuring 21 Savage album. They marketed it as a collab album. It's not really a collab album. Oh, what a coward. I think Drake has like 75% of the words on this thing. Oh. Um, so it is not distributed evenly. I think he kind of just uses... Uh, 21 Savage is a, um, like, training wheels. Like, when he doesn't know how to, like, fully complete a song, he just kind of throws them in there. Great. Um, the intro is really weak, uh, in my opinion. I did not get anything from it. 
Uh, Drake's just like, 21, can you do something for me? <laughs> for like half the song. And then 21's like, yeah, yeah. And then he does his 21 things. And then there's like this weird beat switch where Drake just starts singing off key for some reason. Um, really strange. But then the next two songs are pretty good. Um, Major Distribution's pretty good. And On BS is maybe my favorite. That's what I wanted was they, they would just go back and forth over like a hard beat. That's all I want with these. I don't need like Drake sing, sing song, um, <laughs> yeah. which we get a lot here for some reason. There's also a lot of songs where it's just Drake and not 21 Savage. Um, so I feel kind of lied to there, but that's fine. Um, back, back Outside Boys is just a Gunna song, but it's not horrible. It's just not, it doesn't sound like Drake at all, mm. but props because it's not horrible. Okay. Um, Hours in Silence doesn't need to exist. Spin About You is pretty decent. Hours in Silence is 640. Oh, my God. It definitely doesn't need to exist. <laughs> um, Broke Boys is really good. I did really enjoy Bro- uh, Broke Boys. That felt like a 2015 Drake song. Um, there are definitely moments where like they're able to like carry momentum off of each other, like you should be able to do when you're in a collab hip-hop album. Um, it's all about momentum and like knowing when to add versus where. Sometimes some of these songs feel like it's just Drake and then they just throw a 21 feature in there just to fill some space because Drake is obsessed with releasing only like hour long albums so he can get the maximum streams possible off of every single thing. Um, Which, you know, go off, I guess. Uh, Middle of the Ocean is actually a very good Drake solo song. Like one of his best in the past like i don't know six years at this point um really enjoyed that one a lot of clever wordplay it's worth the six minute length um that wasn't wasn't really boring at all beats great it feels like some classic drake oh yeah which is good i like it um the last like four songs in this album don't really need to exist uh that or i was just kind of bored at that point i feel like this went on too long um I feel like a really great collab album between these two would be like, you know, 10 tracks, cut out all this filler that you have in there, um, and then you got a really good one. But, yeah, I mean, Drake wasn't horrible on this thing. There's definitely some questionable bars because it's Drake, and he's really strange and weird, um, and it's really uncomfortable at some points because he's like, it's Drake. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that from Drake. There's there's a lot of very sus lines on this album. <laughs> Not from Twenty One Savage either. Really? There's a couple sus lines from Twenty One Savage, but like, you know, within within reason for him. But I feel like Drake just went out of pocket on this thing. Um What did he say honestly, this time? Um What's a good line? Well he made like a weird Megan the Stallion line, which was strange. Hmm. Um which you didn't need to do at all. People are still bringing up that shooting, even though, like, we know someone shot, or Tory Lane shot Megan the Stallion, but he's still like, <laughs> so that, that was a little weird. Um, there's just, I don't know if there's, like, one specific to pick out. It's just, like, he's really gross for no reason. <laughs> I feel like that's just a Drake's and it's really at awkward. this point. Yeah, it is. Like, the whole Certified Lover al- Lover Boy album kind of, like, was like that. And then this album, we kind of just went off with it. Um, but with that being said, this is probably the best thing he's released since Views. So, <laughs> okay. Um, 
Better than Scorpion. Better than Certified Lover Boy. Definitely better than Honestly. Never mind. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not horrible. I'm taking a couple songs from this. So. Wow. Good job, Drake. You made something mediocre, and it only took like bringing Twenty One Savage with you for a lot of this. Um, but honestly, if that's what you got to do, if you got to have someone to like be your training wheels, do that. Because I feel like he's literally out of things to talk about. Oh, for sure. I think he's definitely run out of material. Yeah. Which, you know, there's not, there's no, there's no shame in that. But like, maybe that would help if you didn't release an album like every like six months. Yes. Of, with an hour worth of material. That just a thought. Um, Stupid. I didn't. I didn't hate this. So. Okay. Okay. Doing doing something good. Well, um, honestly, I give your existence a light. To moderate on. Yeah, there was no Anthony Fantano diss lines, so that's too bad. That was kind of unfortunate. Yeah. I would I would have really liked some of those. I feel like you really have to get your ego back there, Drake. You gotta you gotta re- regain some of your confidence there. Yeah, you uh, gotta swing at, at Fantano if yeah. you're gonna swing. Exactly, and he uh, didn't. That's unfortunate. Yeah, that is. Too he had bad. a whole hour to do it, and he didn't. Oh, uh, he always was a coward. Maybe next time. Maybe this album was done by the time that happened. Maybe. Maybe in the next album he'll make a he'll make a nice little comment. Um, oh, I hope so. In his most Drakeiest way. I'm that trying to think good. of like how Drake would put that, but I can't do that right now. I'd have to think about it for a minute. Now there's a certain <laughs> there's a certain way that Drake raps. That, like anybody, there's like a million like banger tweets because people have nailed the way that he writes bars because they're like super cheesy but not cheesy enough to be like why did you say that. Yes. It's a very specific type. Um, that's what he does really well on that one song. It's like, okay, that was clever. I'm You're giving me a little bit of an eye roll, but it also goes kind of hard. Like mm-hmm. That's basically that style. I see. Um, but, yeah, not bad. Not bad. I mean, it is. it was very tolerable um, besides, <laughs> like, the last four tracks. I got through, like, 45 minutes strong, and then I was like, okay, wrap it up. Um, okay. But, there's there's a lot there's a lot of mid this week. I'm sorry. Uh, wow. Uh, Brockhampton released a song. It's called "The Big Pussy." Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh. uh, it's kind of cool. I like it. it there's, there's there's a cool like jazz sample in it. Um, it feels very different from everything they've done. I'm expecting based on like the cover art for this album that I, I just wanted to be absolutely off the wall crazy because this song is very chaotic, but I really like it. Yeah, it might be. But we'll see. I think that comes out uh, a couple weeks. Next week? I don't know. I don't remember. You tell me. Uh, let's see. Let's see. You're November the ginger 17th. stand. November 17th? What? That's next week. Yeah. November 17th is next Thursday. And then Wiseblood comes out November 18th, which is that Friday, which is interesting. Oh. So. It's because they okay. didn't want to drop at the same time. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's cool, I guess. But, yeah, that's all the music. Uh, I did go to the Godspeed You Black Emperor concert Okay. yesterday. Um, that was a trip. Oh, yeah? I feel like that was a very interesting concert because it's not like a concert you usually go to. Um, no. There was zero talking. Like, nobody on stage said a single word for the entire concert. Um, the, the, the opener, I forgot who the opener what the name of the group was 
but I thought they were the sound guys for the first little bit um, because there's no intro or anything. They kind of walked on stage, picked up the instruments, the lights cut down, and then they started going. Uh, and then when they were done, they put their instruments down and walked off. And then the band came on and then walked off when they were done. So there was no intros. There was no anything. Um, okay. So it was very interesting. Um, but the opener was like, it was two dudes, one guy on a drum kit and one guy on a guitar. Um, very experimental, very out there. Uh, the guy in the drums is going absolutely ham. Like the angle we were sitting at, like we had, we had pretty good seats. Like you could see everything where we were. We were kind of like elevated a little bit. Um, but yeah, the dude was like blasting the kick drum for like <laughs> most of it. And this, they did like a four, 35 to 40 minute straight piece with no breaks. It was all one fluid piece. Um, and this guy's just going crazy on this drum kit for the whole time. Uh, and he brought out multiple sections where there was like, he used mini gongs that he put on his wrist and mini cymbals he put on his <laughs> wrist. And he'd have bowls that he puts on the drum kit and then hits the bowl on oh. top of the drum kit with like a cloth and everything. Um, so it, it, it was more like a magic show than it was a <laughs> performance, honestly, now that I think about it. Okay. It was like a whole stage show because the guy on the guitar was doing some weirdo stuff too. Um, everything was very atonal and not normal. Um, it would, it would, it's a cool push and release because there was a lot of like, like, you know, a guitar is not supposed to sound like that, but you have to do something special to make it sound like that. But then all of a sudden, like, eventually there'd be, like, an actual chord that you recognize. and would be like, oh, that's nice, before it goes, like, super atonal again. But they were using looper pedals, so they'd build, like, an entire, like, soundstage off of two instruments. Like, he'd loop one one pattern he'd go off of and then go off over it with another one. Um, it was, like, a very, very interesting experience. Um, I don't know what we witnessed. It was just kind of a thing that happened. He was like, uh, you know, like those capo things you put on the neck of the guitar, whatever those are called? Yes, capos. Yes. He was playing above that at one point, and it made really interesting noises. <laughs> like, he was using it wrong intentionally. Um, and at one point, like, he turned the amp up way too much intentionally, and then he would do a chord, let it ring, and then, like, put the neck of the guitar on the ground and scrape it across to make like a different like noise. Oh. It was very interesting. Um, and all this is incredibly loud. Like I brought your plugs cause I was told that these concerts are way too loud for your little baby ears, which is true. Um, <laughs> so I brought earplugs, which was clutch because, oh my God. Like I, I took one earplug out like during like a loud part of their intro or a loud part of the opener. And uh, it was so loud. <laughs> like I could not believe it. <laughs> and that was only two people. <laughs> yeah, that was just the opener. Uh everybody loved it. They got like a five minute clap after. Um I don't think anybody had any idea who they were either. I think Godspeed intentionally picks like really obscure like experimental artists to do this for them. Um but yeah, definitely not the way I've ever seen somebody play a guitar or a drum kit. It was bizarre in the best way possible. It was kind of mesmerizing because, like, it's not music you'd ever listen to because it's very atonal and weird and barely music. But at the mm -hmm. same time, you're kind of just entranced watching these people just, like, go absolutely ham on their instruments 
and every once in a while there'd be like a really nice hypnotic section that would go on and you'd get kind of lost in it but it was cool um but then the actual actual show started uh so i think there was three guitarists a violinist two bassists one of the bassists would do an upright bass for a couple songs and then two drummers um there were no lights on during the entire show the only thing was a projector behind them um we could barely see like what they were doing so i don't know how they knew what they were doing but every <laughs> single one of them had their own amp um over the top of like you know the sound system that's at the concert venue so you have that going plus you have their extra amps that they do um which was crazy loud but they started with like a five minute drone um this st this starts like there's like a couple breaks between it but they're only like a minute break so as soon as you hear this drone come in this is the last time you hear nothing for about an hour 45. uh the rest of it is just constant wall of noise <laughs> almost <laughs> um but yeah after the opener and like all the weird atonal dissonance of that guitar you hear these guitars and it's like oh my god i forgot what a guitar sounds like because that man murdered his guitar so i'm glad i'm like hearing actual chords now um <laughs> but they played a lot of the new record to begin with um it was very good made me appreciate some of those songs a lot more uh hearing them live they feel they felt a lot more emotive and like full um but those are really nice like you get in such a hypnotic groove because it's different when you physically like feel the music rumbling with you um and every little thing that they change you can hear it, it just it sounds exactly like the studio version too they're like so in sync with each other um but they started working backwards in their discography i think they played a couple of luciferian towers that were like super mean and super out there um those are really really nice the projector was basically the only guide of like what you were you know kind of experiencing there was no other stage light show or anything which is cool you kind of just get to focus up mm -hmm. um so it's a very meditative experience um just because like there is nothing else to focus on but the sound you're hearing which is i think very good stage design and intentional from them because like you're there for the music that's all you're getting <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it um but yeah they worked their way backwards I don't remember. They didn't do anything from Yankee, unfortunately. I think they switch up their set quite a bit. So, But the two big boys at the end, because um, they kind of worked backwards and they knew everybody was waiting for you know the, the, the big hitters. Uh, so we got Storm. No, we got Static off of uh, Lift Your Skinny Fists. And then we got East Hastings from F-Sharp, A-Sharp as the final track. Um, I could tell, because like... I know a lot of their newer discography, but it's hard for me to pick out specific songs, especially with like their new new record. I could get a couple off of Luciferian Towers, but as soon as like you hear that one thing from Static, it's like, oh, here we go. Uh, and what happened with that was like, so they they do improvised versions of those old songs, so there was different parts of it um, that were actually really nice. It's like almost an improved concert version of it because Static has a lot of like field recordings in it. So they switched it up, uh, added some different sections. Um, it sounded incredible live from like the very small, like ominous start to it to like the buildup. Um, and I get like insane goosebumps and everything when I get the buildup like through headphones on a studio version. But when you're live and you feel it and the energy in the room like rises with you, um, that crescendo on like 
the big crescendo of that song that goes on for about six minutes was like absolutely crazy. I think everybody was out of breath after that. Um, because like it literally like lifts you up. There was so much noise and vibrations and everything happening. And you get a projector that just has like a burning city in the background. There was something different that was happening. Like my head was like physically lifting up. Like I could not do anything. I was suspended in this gigantic like wave of sound for like four minutes. And it was like the best feeling possible. And then they finally let it down and everybody can like breathe again. And I didn't know what to do. It was like a shock moment where I'm like, what just happened to me? <laughs> so that was crazy. Um, and then they went into East Hastings for the final track right after that. Um, and they kind of teased it a little bit. They did it incredibly slow. There's this one little riff of that song that everybody kind of knows. Um, so they played like two notes of that and everybody knew what was about to happen. Uh, and then they did like a 25 minute version of it. Um, it was a lot more mean than the studio version. There was a lot more. They built it off a wall of noise at first. They'd play like th three notes of that like continuous guitar riff that everybody knows. Then they do a wall of noise to back it up, and then they do it again before they finally launch into like the actual song. Um, and then the slowest buildup possible of just this one single guitar. After every like minute and a half or so, they'll add another instrument until it builds and builds and builds. Um, and then the climax of that song was like gigantic drone, gigantic wall of noise. You could hear everything clearly. I took out my earplugs for this one and you could like hear, you could hear the amp like physically struggling to get that loud. Um, that or my ear was like getting like, you know, tinnitus or whatever. Um, but they did that, they sustained it and then they looped it. So everybody has their own like pedal station at their, at their stand. So the violinist, the three guitars, and the bassist all looped that part. And then one by one, they started leaving the stage. And then everybody was off the stage. Like, the concert has quote-unquote ended. But they let that drone there for five minutes. So it's an empty stage of instruments still looping this thing at max volume. As, like, this projector is kind of disintegrating. And then slowly, one by one, the amps start, like, shutting off one by one. Um, until it's, like, one single instrument. And then that shuts off. And then they play the... The little excerpt at the end of F sharp A sharp. So they did the F sharp A sharp in real life, where they're like, "Okay, here's your little infinity. The album never ends." Sequence. Um, they did that in real life. <laughs> <laughs> it was like absolutely insane. It was the wildest ending to a concert I've seen. Um, but yeah, that was the most performative aspect of it. Was like looping the instruments and walking off and just having the music ring. Like, there wasn't a whole lot going on with it because it's a looper pedal, so you can only put so much in there. But there was enough there where, like, the song was still moving a little bit, but everybody was just kind of, like, suspended in this noise. Like, what's what's going on? Are we done? What's, like, like, like what's happening? But, oh, it was one of the wildest experiences you can have at a concert. It's very different than everything else you would get. It's very much a sit down, enjoy the music, and less of, like, Let's go to a concert and have a good time. It's like a you're you're about to get prepared for like a mind body experience <laughs> when you walk in those those doors. But yeah, <laughs> one of the best concerts I've been to. It was incredibly different. That's all I wanted from it. 
I was a little sad they didn't do Sleep, but we kind of had like a luck of a draw on like what we were going to get from the, the two original albums. But if yeah. I heard Sleep live, I might have combusted like in the arena. So. <laughs> I feel like that song does way too much. Um, I feel like the, the crescendos on there would be way too much. Um, but yeah, incredible show. Um, I actually liked how there wasn't any talking or anything. It's very mysterious. They come on and the lights all are all dim. Everybody knows what's happening. And just kind of plays out like that. So, two hours suspended in a giant wall of just vibrating noise and like very minimal parts that were like super meditative. I almost fell asleep during one of the songs, which is weird because I'm at a concert venue <laughs> and it's like incredibly loud. Yeah. But yeah. Absolutely insane. And like, we got two t shirts and a record for like 80 bucks, which hey. is kind of crazy for merch stands. Yeah. I think the t shirts were only 30. Um, and they had a whole bunch of like, uh, informal, like reading packets of like indigenous anarchism and stuff like that. So I got to read through those. But those are super <laughs> sick. I'm like that, right. this is my kind of concert. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, super cool. If you, if you ever had the chance to go see them and you're somewhat interested, interested in the music, just do it. Um, it was definitely like a different way to view a concert. I don't think uh, it's, I don't know if it's my favorite concert I've been to, but it's definitely up there. Okay. Well, that sounds like a good time. Very good time. I think that's it for this week. Nuh-uh. we, oh? I got an update. Oh my God. Do, 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 do. I listened to Carly Rae Rapman. Oh. I listened I'm, to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too much of a coward. You told me to listen to Western Wind. Yes. And go find yourself for whatever. Yes. I listened to from what Western Wind to all of the bonus tracks and I loved it. There you go. I I love that, that they're all great. Um I saw someone describe the loneliest time as this is a what, like a five minute disco song from an immigrant girl and an elderly gay man. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of unfair. Rufus Wainwright is not that old. A middle-aged gay yeah, man. A middle-aged gay man is more accurate. Um, That's accurate yeah, I liked it. I liked mm-hmm. it. Um, I don't know why I didn't really dig the first couple tracks. I have not gone back. It's a lot more poppy. Yeah, I don't really I feel care like the about second that. half of the record gets a lot more. Well, there's still like disco elements on a lot of them, but like it's a lot more chill. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe I'll go back. Yeah. I'm too much of a coward. I'm still enjoying just starting on track eight and then going down. Well, that's good. That's still like a whole album kind of. It's like yeah, songs, pretty much. So. It's it's a. Uh, the bonus tracks no. go too hard for what they are. So. Yeah, they're pretty good. Um. Yeah, I just thought I'd bring that up. I still haven't listened to the whole thing. But, but, you know, <laughs> You've listened to like a large majority of it, though. Yes, I am. You don't even need to listen to Beach House. So. Is that one that you said was not good? Yeah, I don't like that one at all. It's the most popular. Oh, that was the yeah, single, wasn't it? It was the first single. Yeah, that's right. That's why. That's right. Okay. Well, yeah, I feel somewhat redeemed. I saw what someone posted a comment on one of our videos I thought was really funny. It was like, it's about time Jerry became based or something. I don't remember what that was in reaction to. Um, 
Um, <laughs> oh, Jerry put sometimes in the winning playlist. About time he became based. It's a Ooh. shame he didn't come around to the money store. Oh, we got something out of him. Yeah, he got something. So, hey, I haven't listened to it since the reaction came out, but I did put it in the winning playlist, so it means it's good. That's how those playlists work. Everything True. in the losing playlist is objectively bad, and everything in the winning playlist is objectively good. It's not subjective at all. It's science. Exactly. That's right. I'm a scientist. I liked Interstellar, remember? <laughs> so true. <laughs> All right. Well, I said this was going to be a short podcast, but we did end up having a lot more things to talk about than I thought. So. That always happens. It, yeah. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, so, sorry for letting the people down. I know they were excited they they clicked on the podcast that was an hour and 20 minutes long and then they heard us say it was going to be shorter and then they got their hopes up that it was only going to be 30 minutes long but little did they know that it was actually going to be an hour and 20 minutes long yep so sorry in advance it's all of the amazon podcast streamers I'm not, we're not on Amazon Podcast. We got an email to <laughs> go on it, but I've I've not done that yet. So sorry, I didn't know Amazon had podcasts. They do so. now, and they invited us to be on it. That's awesome. I know we're really cool. So okay, follow us on Amazon Podcasts, and next week we're going to be talking about God of War and Toy Story Three. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>